Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome back. Come join me, Megan, and sit for a spell round the cauldron while we talk about witchcraft, polytheism, and the intersection of magic and mundane. This topic has been at the back of my mind for a few months, and I honestly don't know why, but I'm just going to run with it. This month, I want to talk about the tools we use in our witchcraft practices. Let's go over some important dates for the month of May really quick, May of 2022. Uh, For April, I forgot to mention that there were actually two new moons of the month, so if you're listening to this when it goes live on April 30th, 2022, happy second new moon. Happy solar eclipse, if you can see it, and happy May Day Eve. That's right, we are already approaching Bialtana, or Beltane for my Wiccan friends. Bialtana is on May 1st. Depending on where you are in the world, May also has two moons, one of them being the last new moon of April. Um, So just double check based on your location. But the other new moon for May is on May 30th, and then the full moon falls on May 16th. As always, a wonderful shout out to my patrons on Patreon. Thank you so, so much for your support. It truly means the world to me, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to help support the show, feel free to join me on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive perks and content. With that being said, let's get into the show. So I don't really know why I've been wanting to talk about tools. Tools have just been on the back of my mind lately, and I wanted to do an episode about them. And I have a couple of different uh, little topics outlined, I guess, but we're just going to go for it and see what happens. Um, and, And an episode about tools is good for anybody that is beginning within witchcraft. So if you're a beginner or you're going back over your foundational practices, hello, this episode might be for you. But it's also good for people that have been practicing witchcraft for a while to maybe rethink the tools that they use or reapproach the tools that they have in a new way or even figure out something that can be used as a tool that they maybe haven't thought of before. So what I mean when I say tool in witchcraft is anything that you use within your witchcraft practice. We commonly see in um, like witchy 101 books where people will go through lists of tools and they have like anathema and a cauldron and an altar and a chalice and things like that. Those are all well and good. Those are some traditional common tools that we see in a lot of witchcraft spaces, but a tool can be pretty much anything. Um, I know I did a video 
on my channel where I talked about 10 witchy things that I couldn't live without, and one of them was my French press <laughs> to make my coffee in the morning because part of my coffee routine regularly, not daily, is to charm what I'm drinking with a magical purpose, and part of that process was using my French press. So I think it's a good idea to rethink some of the tools that we have at our disposal, but we'll talk about that in a minute. First, I want to talk about the need to have tools. Do we even need tools within witchcraft? And partly yes and partly no, in my opinion anyway. And that's going to be because the witchcraft, the magic, doesn't come from the tools. The tools are just there to help. Or, you know, if you have a connection with the spirit of the tool it's as a spirit ally, you know, it's there to lend its assistance or, you know, whatever you have set up with that particular tool. But it's common for anyone that is coming into a witchcraft space to feel like they need to get all of the tools all at once. And um, yeah, no, you don't have to do that. Not at all. Uh, especially if you're not really following any sort of tradition where, you know, your altar has to be set up in a specific way with very specific tools on it in a specific uh you know, locations on your altar or whatever. For those of us who practice a more eclectic witchcraft or even folk magic, um, we tend to collect our tools as we go. And in my experience anyway, not very many of us have what you would consider more common tools that you see in books, like, like anathema. Um, we have some knives probably, but maybe not necessarily an athame. So you don't need all of the tools that a lot of books say you do or suggest you have when you first start out. And even the further along you get in your witchcraft practice, you might not even need those tools either. Um, like myself, for example, Going through the list of common tools that I have written down, uh, athame, cauldron, altar, candles, statues, pestle and mortar, chalice, and pentacle. Um, I don't have an athame. I don't have any statues. I do have a doll that I made, but we'll talk about making your own tools in a second. Um, I have a pestle and mortar, and I don't have a chalice. And so I guess my point with that is that you don't need to have all of the tools in order to begin practicing witchcraft. You can start you know, collecting them here and there from a thrift store or from your local metaphysical store um, slowly. And only if you feel like you're really going to need it or really going to use it. I mean, I just talked with Betty in my last episode, episode 118, I think it is, about the commodification of witchcraft and how we often feel like we need to get everything all at once and we need to buy all of the things and then all of the things end up, you know, collecting dust or in the trash or donated. We don't want that to happen with our tools and we should be taking care of our tools, right? They should be used and cared for and last for a really long time. So don't try to pick up all of the tools 
all at once and overwhelm yourself with absolutely everything. On the flip side of that, you can even make your own tools. Um, So instead of a statue for Bridget, I actually have a doll that I crocheted. And if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen it. I actually posted a couple of pictures of it, and I think it's just so, so cute, and I'm so proud of myself for making something like that. But it, the doll sits on my altar space as sort of a representation of Bridget on my altar. And, you know, if I could afford to have all of the space and all of the statues, I would, because there are some amazing statues out there, but they're expensive. And I feel like making my own actually brings more connection to Bridget because yes, I made it as a representation of her on my altar space, but I also dedicated the act of creating it to her as an offering. And it sits on my altar. I talk to it. I take care of it. I make sure it's clean and I make sure that she has space on my altar. And so I think if you have the skills and you don't even have to be good at it, but if you have the skills and the ability to make your own tools, I think that's going to be much more effective than one that you buy in the store. And that's not to say that the ones that you buy in the store are, you know, not good enough or, um, what am I trying to say? That you can't connect to them because they're sold in a, in a store like that. That's not true. Um, just for me personally, I, tend to have more of a connection to items that I have either created or that just mean a lot to me in general. And you can make a lot of things. I see people making wands, which is also something that I don't have. I I don't use them. But a wand can easily be created with a, a stick, you know, found walking in the park or foraged on your property or something like that. And I find that it brings more meaning when it can be made by the witch who intends on using it. Okay, so I feel like I'm kind of all over the place with this episode already, Um, but I just have a bare bones outline. But um, what do I want to talk about next? Let's talk really quick about um, how we can rethink the things that we use in our daily lives as tools, because there are a lot of overrated, in my opinion, and underrated tools within witchcraft practices. And if you're in my Discord server, that was actually one of our discussion questions. Um, What are some underrated witchcraft tools? And I'm going to talk about a few of the responses in just a second, but I want to go through my list and talk about what some of these tools are and uh, how they're used and maybe what they could be replaced with if you don't have the fancy witchy tool available to you. So the first one is an athame. Now an athame comes from Wicca or uh, more ceremonial type magic. An athame is traditionally a black handled two-sided knife. And 
if I'm remembering correctly, some books have said that it is not sharp. Some books have said that it is sharp. I don't remember, but it's not actually used to cut physical objects. It's used to cut energetic objects. Um, so it's used to cut doors open in circles. It's used to direct energy. It's used to cut energetic cords and things like that. So if you don't have an athame and you still want to use a tool like that, the first thing that you can do is use your finger. You know, you're not physically cutting anything, you are cutting energy. And when you use a tool, the tool kind of becomes an extension of yourself when it's used as in like an athame or a wand. So you can definitely use your finger to cut a door in your circle if circles are your thing. You can use your hands to um, cut energetic cords and direct energy and all kinds of things like that. Now on the other side, I don't have this tool written down, but it is a baleen. And I think I'm saying that right. I'm I'm not entirely sure. But a baleen is the sharp object that is used to cut ritual items, physical items like herbs and whatnot. So if you don't have a baleen, you can just use a kitchen knife. Use a knife that you have in your kitchen. Go to the dollar store if you want and buy a knife, cleanse and consecrate it so that it becomes sacred for that specific purpose and you now have a baleen. You now have a knife that you can use for ritual purposes. And the point of cleansing and consecrating it is to make it sacred, is to give it that sort of status, I guess you could say, as a magical tool. And then once you consecrate something, you don't generally want to use it for anything outside of that specific purpose, because you have now made it sacred. So let's say you're, you do a lot of kitchen magic. You could consecrate your kitchen knives for use in your kitchen because you work your magic in the kitchen when you cook. That is a totally acceptable thing to do, in my opinion. The next tool that's on my list is actually a cauldron. Now, I, I own a small cauldron. I burn all kinds of things in it. I use it for burning cone incense. But you can use just about any fireproof, fire-safe container as a cauldron. I did a video a couple of years ago um, of how to use sigils, some ideas for how to use sigils. I didn't have a cauldron at the time, so I grabbed a pot from my kitchen and used that to burn my sigil. And it works. It's totally fine. A pot in your kitchen is generally going to be fire safe. Now, of course, when you're working with fire, you always want to be safe around fire and have um, an extinguisher or, you know, a bowl of water or something, you know, don't burn your house down. But even if you don't want to use a pot, if you have like a fire pit or some way to have a fire and all you're trying to do is burn something, that would generally work. A cauldron is one that I think it's really easy to find a, a uh, mundane replacement for, I guess you could say. Now for an altar, this is going to vary depending on who you are, 
the type of magical system that you practice and what you have available to you. I have one, two, three, three specific altars. Um, Two of them are on the same surface. One of them is on a separate surface. But an altar can be any flat surface that you decide to use. So one of those flat surfaces is my dresser, the top of my dresser. Another flat surface is a shelf. You can, I don't know, get uh, get small shelves and use them as an altar space. Use the space that you have available to you. So if you have a bookshelf, for example, you can use this... Sh- you can use the shelves of a bookshelf as an altar space. You can use your kitchen counter as an altar space. You can create an altar space on the floor. If you don't have space to have a physical altar, I have seen people use things like Pinterest to create devotional altars for deities where they gather pictures and it becomes a sort of sacred act putting this um, electronic or digital altar together for the deity in question. But an altar is a really easy one to find a sort of mundane replacement for. And it doesn't necessarily even need to be an altar. For example, if you do a lot of work at your desk, your desk can become an altar space. You can make your desk a sacred space set up specifically for prosperity or abundance or wealth or whatever it is that you want to focus on while you're sitting at your desk. I even consider some of the spaces where I keep my crafty tools, you know, my my yarn and my crochet hooks as sacred, depending on what it is that I'm working on or sometimes how I'm even feeling that day. I'm not sure if I'm going to go through all of these. I might end up talking for like an hour. Um, but I do want to cover quickly candles, a pestle and mortar, and a chalice. So candles are a staple in a lot of people's practices, and for good reason. Fire is primal. Fire is one of those four classical elements, and a lot of people do their witchcraft by fire. And there is something to be said about the ambiance created by many candles lit around you in a dark room. It's just perfect. But not everybody can work with fire. Not everybody can have candles available. Not everybody has candles available to them. And there are electronic options. Now, I can't speak to the effectiveness of using an electronic candle in all spell replacements or in all spells as a replacement because I have honestly never done it. But I do know that people have used electronic candles as replacements for representations of elements or just to create that sort of um, ambiance, like I said earlier, to, to create the environment to get you into the mindset for whatever magic you're doing. A pestle and mortar is an easy one, in my opinion, to find a sort of witchy, not witchy, uh, mundane replacement for. Think about what the purpose is of a pestle and mortar. It is used to grind things into a powder. It is used to chop things up, not chop things up, but, you know, get things to a smaller 
consistency, right? There are a few different non-witchy tools that you can use to get the same effect, and they are much better for people who don't have the ability to use a pestle and mortar. Um, For example, using a pestle and mortar for a long period of time, depending on what it is that you're using it for, can affect a person's hands that has arthritis or any other sort of joint issues. Uh, Myself included, using a pestle and mortar can be really difficult. But a coffee grinder can do the same thing and generally much faster. Um, Even a food processor can do the same thing if you're, you know, if you have enough material to put in it. I've never used a coffee grinder to do it because I don't have one and I'm not just going to go out and buy one just so I can test it out. But I have used a food processor to powder um, eggshells. I've also used a blender to powder eggshells. I don't recommend it. It gets stuck in the bottom. But if you have um, different herbs and stuff, I'm sure you could use a blender too. Now, the last one that's on my list is a chalice. And literally, a chalice is a cup. A special cup, of course, but it is a cup nonetheless. A vessel for holding liquids and libations. Use one that you already have in your cabinet. Go to the dollar store and buy one of their fancy-looking glass ones and decorate it yourself if you don't like it being plain. Or see what you can find at your thrift store as far as a vessel for your libations. It doesn't have to be a fancy $50 chalice that you find at the metaphysical store. Like, yes, those are, those are great. They're beautiful, generally. But $50 for a chalice isn't accessible for a lot of people. And you have mundane swaps at your disposal. So I've gone through some of the common witchy tools that we see. But I want to talk about rethinking our tools. And I know I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning. But one of the discussion questions in my Discord server has been, what are some underrated witchy tools that people either don't think of or they don't notice. Someone said air. And, you know, I think that's valid. A lot of people cast their spells by fire or even earth and forget that you can also utilize the element of air to get your work done. It could be a little different because air is not something that we can see. However, we can use our breath We can utilize the wind, even smoke or feathers, if they can be, uh, what am I trying to say? If they can be gotten ethically, you know. Also legally, check your laws if you have feathers. It is illegal in some places to collect fallen feathers from birds. But air is an underrated tool. We don't see a lot of people talking about how to use air within witchcraft. Even even a fan, you know, an electric fan can be used for witchcraft purposes. A friend of mine answered this question with lentils. And I immediately was I immediately was like, "Okay, I need you to explain this to me because I don't understand or I don't see how lentils can be 
a tool within witchcraft. And then after they explained it to me, I was like, oh, duh, of course, you know, we use rice. But they said that lentils can be put in spell jars and shaken for energetic purposes. They can be used as offerings. They can be used um, in workings for like wealth and prosperity, but in some places they're also connected to death. So it just, it just depends. But it really helped me realize that just about everything that we have can be used or utilized in some sort of witchy way. We, or at least I know, that a lot of people use rice in their workings for money or prosperity because rice is connected to those things. I didn't even think about the connection between lentils or beans for that matter. And it was an interesting conversation. And it just goes to show that even people that have been practicing witchcraft for a long time can uh, do with a refresher on rethinking how we approach our tools. And so once you have once you have your tools, I think it's important to have a connection with the things that we use regularly within our practice, not necessarily the things that we might use once or twice. Like for myself, the pestle and mortar, I don't generally use it very often because it hurts and I don't have a lot of herbs that I'm grinding up or powdering. But I do have more of a connection to my divination tools, my tarot cards, and my oracle decks. I have more of a connection to my Oum stones that I created, which if you want to see that process and you're not subscribed to me on YouTube, you should go subscribe to my channel because I did a whole video explaining what Oum is and uh, showing the process of creating my Oum stones. But, you know, it's important to me to have the connection with the tools that I'm using on a regular basis. And in order to do that, you just have to use them. You have to be mindful when you're using them too. Um, and this is going to depend too on how you view tools, if you are an animist, or if you just view tools as objects for you to use for your witchcraft practice, you know, that's totally valid. But I think having a connection to the things that we use can also help us, um, you know, not buy unnecessary things or, what am I trying to say? Have a closer sort of working relationship with the tools that we have. And I know sometimes some of the things that we use might not feel sacred. They might not feel like a tool, but... If you're going to practice witchcraft with it, um, you know, often, you might want to consider consecrating it, make it sacred, cleanse it, and perform a little ritual and sort of dedicate it to its purpose. I have a couple of extra sizes of specific crochet hooks, and I have considered consecrating them and dedicating them to spiritual work only. I haven't done it yet, but it is something that I've considered. Um, I believe Thorn Mooney also has done this with some of her pens because she actually has said that she writes all of her books by hand before she gets them into a computer and edits them. And it is a spiritual process for her 
So her pens are consecrated as sacred. And I just think that's super interesting and it's a super great way to approach the things that we use within witchcraft, especially if we use them regularly. So all in all, I know this particular episode has been kind of short, but I just, I don't know. I've been wanting to talk about tools within witchcraft for like two months now, and I don't even think I covered everything in the way that I wanted to, but that's okay. Um, my next episode, I am already gathering information for, I am already thinking about it heavily because someone asked me on Instagram a while ago, um, about connecting to the land and the area in a place that doesn't have a traditional four season year. And yes, I am going to be talking about that in my next episode. going to be talking about the wheel of the year, sabbats, and um, sort of making it your own and using my own personal experience as a sounding board for that. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, you can subscribe there too. And thank you for joining me here for this short little uh, one-sided discussion on the use of tools in witchcraft. Um, Again, like I said, I don't know why, but I really had the itch to talk about tools. I hope it was enlightening, both if you're new to witchcraft or not so new. Remember that it's okay to replace your tools with more mundane ones, and it's totally fine to just work with what you have. So let's go ahead and draw our card for the month of May. Um, I actually received a new oracle deck, or I didn't receive it, I bought it. Um, It is called the Spirits and Shadows Oracle Deck. I will leave a link to it in the show notes, but I highly recommend checking it out. Um, It is an indie deck created by an artist, um, two artists, I'm sorry, Jay Edward and Heather Neal, and it is just gorgeous. So I'm going to go ahead and shuffle and we will pull a card and see what we get. All right, I pulled truth. I'll go ahead and I'll try to remember to post a picture of the card on Instagram or, um, in my newsletter. If you're not subscribed to my newsletter, the link for that is in the show notes. Um, But truth. So right off the bat, truth has a sword in it and the sword is standing in a stone. And it, it reminds me to like stand in truth because the sword is standing by itself. It is stuck in a stone, it looks like on its own, surrounded by some black and gray looking fog. The key words that the artist has attached to this card are authenticity, bravery, and honesty, which I would expect honesty because the card's called truth. But it says that truth tells you to speak your mind even when it's difficult. What you need to say may be ill-received. There is freedom in being honest with others. Always act in accordance with your own values. Make sure you're being honest with yourself about a situation or relationship in your life. 
Do not deceive yourself because you're afraid of what you might lose. And I think that is an amazing message. So ask yourself if there's something you're not being honest about, uh, whether to others or yourself, and why that is. Try to move forward and be more honest. Be more open and authentic and be more you. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please reach out to me. My contact information is always in the show notes, and you can find me on social media. All of the links will be in the show notes, and with that, I will talk to you later.